Good morning, Life Church. Please stand with us as we worship this morning.
I pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you that we're all able to gather here today freely and that we can worship you. I pray that you'll bless everyone here and that you'll bless them as they go about the rest of their day. And thank you for your love. In your name, amen.
Thank you, worship team, for leading us in a beautiful time of worship this morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Eric Van Egmond, and welcome to New Life. I am uh, pleased to be your host uh, this morning. First things first, we want to invite the children uh, back up to the stage here. If you are ages 3 to 5 or grades 1 to 5, please come take a seat uh, on the floor here or on the front steps and uh, you'll be continuing to worship downstairs. But before you do so, we just want to pray a blessing upon you and for you and for your leaders. If you are serving in Little Lights or Kids Church this morning, please also come down. And parents, you can bring your child downstairs or let our leaders help them after the prayer. If you're comfortable, please re extend a hand of blessing upon these children before they go down and as we pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for these, these beautiful children, these gifts uh, that you have given uh, their families and uh, new life. We read in Matthew 19, uh, Jesus' words, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. We pray a blessing upon their time downstairs as they connect with each other, connect with their leaders, and uh, hear your word, hear little messages about your love for them. We know that you love them uh, deeply, and we want them to learn about your love. Bless them. Bless their faith journey um, here and now and in the future as they uh, hopefully and through your blessing uh, live lives that lead to eternal life with you. Uh, bless them this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, little lights and leaders, you can exit to my left here and kids church and leaders exit to my right. Welcome again. Uh, we're so happy that you're here to worship with us and, uh, and to be here together as a church family. If you're a guest with us, we ask you to fill out a Connect card that's available in front of your seat and, uh, and bring it to the info booth and you'll receive the gift. Uh, the gift uh, hopefully is just a side benefit. What the, the major benefit is is, is that we uh, hope to connect with you in a deeper way and uh, connect you to uh, the programs and the ministry here at New Life. If you're online this morning, a special welcome to you as well. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you and we encourage you to comment and interact with each other online as you are worshiping and listening to uh, uh, the word. A couple of announcements uh, that we uh, want you to know about. Uh, First is worship night, 
a New Life is hosting a Monday night worship e event on February the 26th. So that's three weeks from tomorrow at 7 p.m. It will be an evening to praise, uh, to sing praises to God and fellowship with him and one another. If there is a song that you love and want to sing, you are welcome to submit your suggestions to the worship pastor, Janessa. Make this part of your week to raise your enthusiasm for exalting our great God. So put that on your calendars, February 26th, three weeks from now at 7 p.m. Also, we want to uh, highlight Seniors Lunch, which is happening today on the top floor in room 303 following the service. Uh, you're welcome to attend, especially if you are uh, 65 or over. And we pray a blessing upon the, those uh, our seniors too as they gather this afternoon. Um, our offering today is for New Life Ministries. This uh, offering helps to sustain the ministries of New Life to children, youth, young adults, adults and seniors, and the larger community, touching lives with the transforming love of Jesus, which is the purpose of New Life, is why we gather, to touch lives with the transforming love of Jesus. So we ask that you give joyfully to this cause, the New Life Ministries. You can give your offerings electronically in the ways listed on the screen, or bring it to the, one of the offering boxes at the front during the fellowship time. Let's pray for this offering. Thank you, Father, for New Life Church. What a blessing it is to freely worship you in this place. Thank you for the ministries at New Life that seek to draw children, youth, young adults, adults and seniors into a deep, lifelong relationship with you. Bless those on New Life ministry teams who minister to us through word, worship, programs for all age groups. Pastor Nathan, Pastor Sean, Sam, Mark, Jacob, Janessa, Tiana, Taylor, Marguerite, Kim, and Jennifer, those directly involved and behind the scenes, bless them and give them wisdom as they seek to um, develop and run programs that truly do draw us into a deeper relationship with you and have a deep impact on transforming our lives with the transforming love of Jesus. Bless them, Lord, and bless these funds that support these ministries that seek to touch lives of all of those with the transforming love of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we want to enter into a fellowship time uh, for everyone. Uh, we will take our three-minute fellowship time now. This is a time you can greet one another with the peace of Christ, meet someone new and welcome them, help them to feel welcome in this place. You can also bring your offering either to the front or electronically. Thank you for having me, and uh, we look forward to worshiping and hearing his word. Thank you.
All right. If you would take a seat, please. Welcome again to New Life. It's good to be together. Thanks for the fellowship. It's just, uh, it, it's inspiring, really. Uh, standing up here and just uh, watching all of the interaction, all of the uh, community draw, that's uh, really good. And I hope, uh, pray that uh, you were able to experience uh, just that beautiful fellowship together. Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. And uh, so join me in prayer. Uh, this past week on Thursday evening, uh, the youth hosted a prayer night and um, invited the congregation uh, to participate in that. And uh, so I was there and uh, just super blessed uh, by that time together, uh, sitting together with youth and uh, praying together. And uh, I thought, man, I, I mean, these youth gathered and, uh, in their groups and they uh, chose topics to pray for. And I thought, you know what? Let's continue that prayer. So I, I want to pray, uh, and I'll mention the topics uh, that uh, we prayed for on Thursday night. Uh, we're going to continue that prayer uh, here this morning, even as we lift up uh, this congregation uh, to God. So let's pray together uh, as we prepare our hearts to hear his word. Gracious God, thank you uh, that you reveal yourself to us, that uh, we can sing your praise, that we can uh, know you and love you. Father, uh, I pray that uh, the time that we spend here together will just inspire us and excite us uh, to draw close to you in this, uh, in this next week, that, um, that you open our eyes, the eyes of our, uh, our, own, our actual physical head, uh, but also the eyes of our heart, God, and, and to see you to see you at work in our world. Father, there are so many needs uh, that perhaps we have personally and so many needs that we see out in the world. And uh, it's rather easy to see that stuff, God. I pray for your spirit's presence so that we are not overwhelmed uh, by the trouble in this world but that we, uh, as we sung earlier, have the confidence that the battle belongs to you. And so we lift up, Father, we lift up the situation in Gaza and Israel. God, we pray for your mercy and uh, for your love yet to reign even in the midst of such, such violence. God, we pray for the Ukraine. We pray that you will bring peace to that part of the world. We pray for people who are displaced uh, in either of those places and in other places of the world where uh, there is war and uh, in, in fighting within countries. Father, we pray for your mercy. We pray, God, too, uh, for people who uh, have been hurt uh, by the church. People who uh, perhaps had faith and then uh, something horrible happened in their lives. 
because of the church's action or because of people in the church. God, we pray for healing. We pray for your grace to be poured upon those situations. And that once again, those uh, victims, those people who have been hurt can see once again your love, your grace in their life. Mighty God, we pray for uh, people the world over who hunger, who thirst, not just for righteousness, but just for plain food and drink. God, we pray again, have mercy. Make us sensitive and mindful of the injustices that cause hunger. Make us mindful, too, of uh, the plight of people uh, throughout the world who are oppressed or who suffer under the hand of corrupt governments or uh, who simply live in poverty. God, we pray that as we seek to love our neighbor, that, that we, too, will be be able to extend your love to our neighbors even when they're half a world away. And so God, we lift these concerns and these needs to you. Confident that God, you are the ruler over all the universe, you, over all of creation. And we pray that you will continue to reveal yourself that you will provide healing, that you will provide uh, provision, that you will provide uh, your peace in this world. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. So, uh, today we wrap up our series called No Easy Answers, and we've been addressing questions that some of our youth have had and submitted to us, and we chose some of those questions. We said, okay, we're going to respond to those questions, uh, but not in a way to simply give them the answer, yes or no, uh, but, but to uh, give them a context so that uh, together we can wrestle with these questions and, um, and, and draw out what do we believe uh, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, and how then uh, do we live in the midst of that? Today's question uh, might present itself as uh, pretty, well, it presents itself as a straightforward question and might suggest that there's simply a straightforward answer to this, either yes or no. The question is, do miracles still happen? Do miracles still happen? I'm going to let you ponder that uh, for a bit and uh, discern, oh yeah, if you've never asked the question before, to kind of say, oh, yeah, yeah, never thought. Or maybe you just think it's an obvious answer. Uh, I'll let you ponder that for a bit. Um, I want us to read Psalm 136 together and uh, connected to this question, of course. But, uh, but quite apart from that, I, w- I want us to read it together as a responsive reading. Now, uh, hang on. I, I don't really like responsive readings. Uh, I mean, they're not so bad when I'm up here on stage leading them, uh, 
But I, I've sat in the pew and, um, and then do these responsive readings, and they do get kind of boring. Because you're so concentrating on, when is it my turn? When is it my turn? And then you don't even know what you're reading about. I think you won't have a, such a terrible problem today. But it is kind of long. And uh, you, you might get bored of it and say, can't we just hurry to the end? Uh, we're we're going to carry right through, uh, all the way through. And, uh, and then I'll make some comments about it uh, throughout the sermon. So... Psalm 136, here it is. And you're invited to say the refrain, which is, his love endures forever, and then I will lead you in the other portions of uh, the song. Ready, set, go. Here we go. Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, his love endures forever. Killed mighty kings, his love endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, his love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his love endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance, his love endures forever. An inheritance to his servant Israel, his love endures forever. He remembered us in our low estate. His love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. All right. You made it. <laughs> but did you, but hey, hey, did you catch this? This was a rehearsal of all of the wonders of our great God. That's what this psalm is doing. It's rehearsing, rehearsing God's mighty deeds. It's rehearsing, it's remembering, it's testifying all the things that God has done. And it captures something of, of how we ought to view miracles. So let's return to that question. Does, do miracles still happen today? Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to segue back into my sermon. His love endures forever, indeed. 
That in itself is good. That's, I, I mean, you, you could stop listening to the sermon if, if you just paid attention to this psalm. It's, it's, it's treasure it for the week. But the, here's a part the question doesn't ask, although it's probably implied. Do miracles still happen? But the fact is that many people find it difficult to even accept that miracles happened even in the Bible. And so they come up with explanations, or we, we come up with explana- explanations, because there's a certain seduction to being able to say, well, actually, the parting of the Red Sea that Psalm 136 refers to, Psalm 136, well, actually, it, you know, the, there was a low tide, and so, I, I don't know, I don't know what the science is, but... but scientists could probably come up with that, right? Or uh, the feeding of the 5,000. Well, actually, you know, Jesus just conjoled, cajoled uh, the crowd to finally pull uh, their box lunches uh, out beneath their cloaks that they were wearing. And, you know, finally, uh, people said, oh, okay, yeah, let's just have lunch. And, and there was plenty of food or something, right? So, and there's a su- certain seduction to finding explanations. Like, Oh, yeah, so that could happen because uh, it can be explained. Well, it's, it's attractive to us to be able to explain miracles, to go, oh, that's what happened. Because that's our way of thinking. So I drew a diagram to help you understand this, that in, in, the, in our modern minds, we think that God's up in heaven, and he's taking care of all the spiritual things, which would include miracles and so on. But, but that's, God's, that's God's domain over there. And, and so he's, you know, he's doing his thing and so on. But, but then there's the universe and our reality, and the universe is running on its own. It, it, it just follows the laws of nature. It's just carrying right all of the scientific explanations we give to why the universe operates the way it does. That's going on over here. And there's a, a divide between those two things. And so we think miracles are a matter of God doing his thing, interrupting uh, an otherwise standalone universe doing its own thing. Now, get this, the ancients, ancient people, people of Israel and, and just all the people around back in that time, in the biblical times, they didn't think that way. The way they thought was that, uh, and, and I drew this out on the right side, on the right side, is that they, they thought of all of reality as, as being operated by God, or uh, in the case of people outside of Israel, by other gods, right? So it, it wasn't two separate realms. It was one realm, and God, or gods, uh, were operating the universe. That's how they thought. And so in the context of the Israelites... Reality ran by the, the action of God. God was in everything. He wasn't just interrupting uh, an otherwise well-run world all by itself. Universe wasn't a standalone. God was the standalone. And everything that happened would be attributed to God's action. God was real, in other words. 
not just some outside force disturbing the usual order of things. And Psalm 136 reflects that, which is why uh, I had us read it together. Because even in all of that repetition of that refrain, as boring as it got, you had the sense that that's the ordinary stuff. God's love endures forever. That's the ordinary way of operating in this world. And it's in that ordinariness that we see the mighty wonders of God. And so the psalm interjects all of these mighty deeds in the midst of all of the ordinariness of God's love enduring forever. And in that sense, everything is miraculous. Because God is always revealing himself to us in his world that he created. Everything is miraculous. Still today then. Because God is still active in the world. Now, if we could gain that perspective on reality. And, and you might say, oh yeah, I already do. We live in the context where it's just so easily assumed that, that there's scientific explanation and then there's some kind of spiritual explanation. And spiritual things tend to be private. Oh, yeah, you can have your opinion. That's fine. But science is the real thing. And then, um, and then we generally understand that, that there's these two realms operating. If we could gain the perspective of the ancients on reality, that God is the stand alone, not the universe, but God, and that all creation and the workings of creation depend on God's actions, then we can begin to see miracles even today. But wait, that's not to suggest that this is simply an easy answer to the question. For one thing, If everything is a miracle, well, then nothing's really a miracle, right? Then then that's just the way it is, and things are happening. and, And then it's easy to dismiss. And then that doesn't really wrestle with the question, do miracles still happen today? Because when we talk about miracles, our very definition of a miracle is that it's an unusual occurrence. That it is something that, that doesn't ordinarily happen. It's something that is interjected in the midst of all of the ordinariness of God's love enduring forever. So we talk about miracles in the sense that they stand out. Psalm 136, I think, illustrates that so well. Which is to say... That God is always providing for the world, but at certain points, that providence of God takes different forms. Sometimes it follows the form of the natural way of things. In other circumstances, it takes the form of a miracle. Well, so, so perhaps... We could look at things that way in terms of miracles. But there's another difficulty about miracles, and that is their randomness. Because 
even while there is comfort in the stability of knowing that, that, that God provides and that he's faithful in his providence, why are miracles then sporadic? Or to put it starkly, why do we pray for one person for their healing and they're healed and we say, a miracle. And we pray for another person for their healing and they're not healed. If it's, if it's all about God's providence, then shouldn't God be a little more consistent? That's a problem with miracles. Or in another instance, take, take for instance the miracle in, in, in the New Testament about the woman, a woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, which wouldn't have been a very pleasant condition, obviously. And the miracle is that in the midst of a crowd of people who are following Jesus, this woman musters all of the courage, I would imagine, that she could handle to decide to go out into the crowd to, to receive healing from Jesus. It's all her courage to get out there. She touches Jesus' cloak, and Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And here, this poor woman who is already probably humiliated beyond uh, all embarrassment is called out. And all the eyes of the crowd are on her. Don't you think that in God's omnipotence, he could come up with an easier way, a more compassionate way, a more merciful way? Which draws us to then the purpose of miracles. What is the purpose of a miracle? Well, Psalm 136, again, suggests something other than God's great deeds. That they're simply for the relief of people. Um, I mean, we, we see miracles. And, and so, for instance, like the miracle of uh, God providing manna in the wilderness. Uh, which is another perplexing thing. If God wanted people to go into the promised land... I don't know why God, you know, again, by his power and might, why, why didn't he just gather up a people and dump them in the Fraser Valley? And they, I mean, it's a land of milk and honey. What? Why go through all this trouble of releasing them out of Egypt and going through a wilderness and, and all of that? What is the purpose of a miracle? After all, as we noted before, were all those deeds and wonders necessary? In uh, the Gospel of Mark, right? There's four Gospels in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell the story of Jesus' ministry here on earth. And um, Mark is the shortest. He, he gets right to the point. He doesn't even bother with Jesus' birth, as do Luke and, uh, and um, Matthew. But he, he just simply says, this is the account of uh, Jesus, the very Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Here's the account. 
And then he goes in to tell that uh, Jesus went around and he, uh, uh, one day he heals um, a man who is possessed by a demon and he casts the demon out. And, um, and then Mark goes on to say, yep, and then uh, Jesus with, was with his disciples. Peter had his mother there and she was very sick and Jesus healed her. And then uh, the, the, the people, the townspeople, uh, this is Jesus' hometown, uh, Capernaum, and, um, and, 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 uh, and all of the people marvel at this. And so they, at, in, at nighttime, they all gather around wherever Jesus was, and they gather around, and Jesus heals, Mark says, many people, many people were healed. And it must have been a spectacular night. It must have been amazing. This is in Mark chapter 1. The remarkable thing is, so after that happens, then we get this. Very, very early in the morning, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, that's Peter, and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Well, understandably, I mean, after a whole night of miracles, the, the people just wanted the crusade to carry on. Like, man, did you hear what happened last night? Man, I hope it's going to happen again all day today. It'll be awesome. But Jesus is out by himself praying, and then this is his response. I mean, if it was me, right? And Simon Peter came to me and said, hey, everybody's looking for you. I go, okay, let's go out there. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. Not do miracles, but preach. Preach there also. That is why I have come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogue and driving out demons. So why did Jesus come? To spread the message that the kingdom of God is coming. And miracles are simply signposts of that coming kingdom. Miracles are, are simply a testimony to the coming of God's kingdom. Things are going to change. They're going to change just like, oh, here, how about this miracle? It's going to change like that. All the miracles that Jesus did were the, for the purpose of demonstrating, of, of showing off what the kingdom of God is going to be like. A demonstration that, that Jesus had come to redeem the world, to show that things were, as we might say, under new management. In other words, miracles, miracles aren't just for our alleviation. Miracles are not magic. Like, hey, I know how to get healed. You ask for a miracle. That's not the purpose of miracles. Miracles are for the glory of God. Miracles are, are the testimony that God is active in this world. And that he's got a coming kingdom in which he will establish his rule forever. 
His love endures forever. You see, God's miracles don't, they, they don't just tinker with nature, interrupting the usual order of things and just to say, oh, let's see if we can do this. Oh, cool, awesome. Hey, I just gave you some relief there. Miracles aren't for our relief so much as they are a testimony to God active in this world. And so they help us to picture what the new heavens and the new earth will be. In other words, miracles always and only testify to something greater. Sometimes we expect miracles to be able to prove that, uh, see, God can do this, therefore you have to believe. That's not gospel language. God's salvation is presented out of God's love that endures forever. If you don't believe in Christ's redemption, then you're not going to believe the miracles. You won't see them. You won't experience them even. You can't ask for a miracle simply in order to say, well, then I'll believe in God. People tried that throughout Scripture. Pharisees often came to Jesus. If you are the Son of God, show us a sign. Just prove it. Jesus said, even if you have a sign, you're not going to believe. Because belief is born out of God's love, not out of his proof. That's just strong-arming people. God doesn't want that. He wants faith that's born out of his love for you. And so, miracles point to God's enduring love as Psalm 136 insists, so that our faith is rooted in God's love, not in what God can do for us, but simply in who God is. And that, that coming to faith might be the greatest miracle of all. So perhaps you're standing here, or sitting here today, and you're saying, yeah, I've never experienced a miracle. But think about it. The greatest miracle is that God has transformed your heart so that you believe. And then you can experience God's love. But maybe there are miracles. Miracles that testify to the coming of God's kingdom, to hearts restored to bodies restored, to hurt, redeemed. So I, I want to allow some time for us to share some of those stories. Please be brief. Don't go into a long whole life history. Um, but maybe you've experienced a miracle. Something that, that, could, that could glorify God. And um, I want... I, I mean, it's going to take some courage, and maybe some miracles were just private things, and so don't feel pressure to, oh, I got it. But I would encourage you. I'd encourage you 
If you've experienced a miracle that's your own story, um, share it as a testimony that the kingdom of God is coming and that God's love endures forever. So uh, Janessa's got a microphone over there. Sean's got a microphone over here. Just raise your hand, and uh, they'll race over to you. And um, let, let's hear some stories. Okay. Just talk right into the mic, please. Hello. My name is Dezanita Batlak. I actually came, uh, I was born in uh, Bosnia. And uh, in the year 1992, what the war was happening, mm-hmm. um, my family and lots of people were part of that war. Um, now, the thing is, there's a real, uh, uh, this, like, I'll never forget this, and I'll always have this memory in my heart forever. And, like, I was about uh, six years old, and uh, there was a bullet. It's like, I can't even explain. It just, this is really hard for people to believe, and it's, it's, I've never shared this story because people think I'm crazy, because I'm not. But there was a bullet coming right by my brain, but it's like something stopped it. It's like I would have been dead at that moment, but it's like something, an angel or something, or God, somebody just stood right there in front of me, and I just... And then it just, it just, it kind of dropped. Like it was supposed to be like straight right in the brain. So I'm, I, I can't, like I said, I can't explain what that was. Yeah. But here I am today. Marvel. So it just, Praise I the don't Lord. know what it is. But thank you for listening to my story. Marvelous. Thank you. Anyone else? My name is Otto, and uh, it's been a year now that uh, I was diagnosed with uh, melanoma. It started out as a mole in the back of my shoulder that was bugging me, and I went to see the doctor, and she said, yeah, that's got to come out. Maybe nothing. It may just be benign, but it's got to come out. So that started the process. One surgeon after another, a, a, a biopsy, uh, went to the lab, uh, this came back as, but it's malignant, and it's stage two melanoma. The process continued, all sorts of tests and diagnosis and prognosis and everything else, and uh, trying to determine a treatment program for me to deal with this issue. It culminated in December uh, with the last scan, a PET scan, and that brought about an anomaly that nobody had seen before, or at least uh, had seen it before, but not in my case. And uh, there was an anomaly and, uh, in my uh, abdominal aorta, uh, an aneurysm, that had to be dealt with before they could start anything else. So the treatment program or the planning was stopped I saw this the oncologist in the morning of the 9th of December, and she was going to refer me to a vascular surgeon and some other surgeons because I still had cancerous tissue. And that afternoon, I was invited to a, a vascular surgeon's office for a consultation. And uh, he pointed out this anomaly. Your aorta, your abdominal aorta, normally the size of a garden hose, in my case, it was an 83-year-old two-and-a-half-inch fire hose. 
it had to be dealt with. And uh, he looked at my history, and he said, I, I, we can fix it. But he said, we're going to have to have a frank discussion. And uh, something like this, he said, uh, you, know, you know, you don't normally have more than a year. And he was looking at a, a four-month-old CT scan. You don't normally have more than a year. He said, but we'll fix it after this frank discussion. He didn't ask me too many questions. He just went straight ahead and uh, said, yeah, we'll, we'll deal with it. Here's what I have to do. He says, it's like building a ship in a bottle. And that's how we're going to approach it. Well, the surgery was scheduled for 24th of January. And uh, it went through two hours, two hours of surgery, three hours of recovery, and uh, one overnight. On the way home, I texted my siblings in Victoria, and I said, this is what he said. Uh, the process is going to be like building a ship in the bomb. Well, I think he's a master builder. And I'm a, an old mariner who can attest to its seaworthiness. <laughs> he was guided by a divine navigator. He brought us his comforter. It's surrounded by a host of angels and prayer warriors, all under the overwatch of our Lord yeah. and Savior. Yeah, amen. It was in his hands. His, he saw his church in action. Mm. His love was reflected in your love and the love of those that surrounded us. And the doctor on Thursday morning, when he stood beside my bed at quarter to, quarter to eight in the morning, he said, we fixed it. You can go home now. <laughs> wow. That was a week and a half ago. And uh, it is fixed. I'm in the process of, of recovery. It's great. And I now know that I'm in the palm of his hands. Yeah. We are in the palm of his hands. And it's his love that will carry us through. And that gives me, that gave the doctor the confidence to go in. And it gives me the confidence to go from here with the knowledge that we're in his hands, in the palm of his hands. And we can reboot the search for the cure for the other issue that's still threatening my life. Praise him from whom all blessings flow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, hi. Uh, my name's Jeff. Uh, four years ago, almost to the day, I was in um, Abbotsford Hospital. Uh, leukemia overtook my body. And um, through prayer and um, a bone marrow transplant, uh, like six months later, here I am. So I'm completely healed. Yes. So, um, also, there's lots of people that came and visited me and my wife's support and my family. And just want to thank, thank everybody. 
wow, I know Hank and Albert and Jeff over here came to visit me, and you did, and so it's a, it was a blessing, this family. Glorious. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Margaret, uh, some of you know me, uh, but recently I'll share a quick experience of her. Um, at the end of December, I believe, not December, November, uh, I remember uh, a Monday I went to bed feeling pretty good, had an apple before going to bed, I remember all of that. and. Uh, I woke up Tuesday morning with a stroke, with my whole left side just sleeping, refused to move. So I, I tried to get from my bed to the washroom and I'm dragging my leg and my hand is feeling funny, my lip feeling funny, my speech, I'm, I'm blowing bubbles basically trying to speak and my saliva is just blowing bubbles to see what's going on here. Um, anyway, I went to my daughter's uh, room and I woke her up. I said, something strange is happening to my body. So when she took one look at me and decided, I'm taking you to the hospital. Uh, I spent a week in the hospital. The first three days, I could hardly do anything. I had to have assistance or, or they put me in a, a, a commode chair to take me to the bathroom. Um, my left side always dragging, you know. And uh, about three days, um, I was determined to, to do something about this because I, I refused to stay in that condition. So I started um, with uh, therapy, and just lifting my leg and lifting my hand. And every time they come around, that's what they want me to do. So while I was just laying there, just, just doing the workout, um, by Friday, I took a look at the whole situation. I said, you know something, Lord? I don't need that chair, and I don't need that walker. In the name of Jesus Christ, I am walking out of here. <laughs> Glorious, wow. So I set the walker aside, Refused the chair, and I think it was Saturday morning. I got up from my bed and walked over to the nurse where she was sitting on a chair at a computer doing some work. When she saw me coming towards her, her jaw dropped. She almost flung her files to the floor. I said, What? <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I said to her, I said to you all, I am walking out of here. You thought I was joking. <laughs> so, um, I think it was Saturday, and through the weekend, I just kept walking determinedly without the walker and refusing any help to get to the bathroom or anything else. I said, I'm not going to live with someone 
every time I need to go to the bathroom, I will have someone come and, and hold my hand. I said, no, I'm not there yet. <laughs> so um, I um, just kept functioning like that. And to today, I still haven't taken a walker. They had a chair, a walker, and a stick, all set up for me at the Red Cross to pick up. It still hasn't been picked up. Wow. Yeah, praise yeah. God. Praise um, God. Yeah. This is the left hand that was um, weak, that I could barely lift. And that's the left leg. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. And I am walking, and I am determined to walk and be back in full swing. Yes. I was, I was, um, oh, I think it was Bob. Uh, I was threatening Bob to run a marathon with him. <laughs> you know, Bob, Bob is funny, so he took a <laughs> Bob, you're always getting in trouble. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. God bless. Good morning. My name is Bernie Heising. Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, I, wa I went into the hospital. Um, and was in the ICU for eight days, of which three I was in a coma. Um, I had become infected with bacterial meningitis, and um, as uh, if, you, if you may not know, that that's a pretty serious disease for a, a, an older person. It's a life and death situation, and um, you know there's sort of a, a period of time before the uh, antibiotics kick in, where where my life was hanging in the balance, and uh, you know God protected me during that period of time, and that's a. Uh, a, a, you know, been a real miracle in my life, and, and I just thank God for uh, uh, providing that for me. Um, th there's also, you know, as, as I reflect back on that, you know, an, another sort of miracle that happened too is just the thousands of people who were praying for me at that point in time. Um, just being part of a community, um, and then that, you know, it just extended out from there into other communities and, and churches and uh, you know, family and that, and, and just the thousands that were praying, and that, that too is a real miracle. And I, and I just, it's just a real blessing to be part of a community in that way. So, praise God. Thank you. All right. Well, okay, go. Okay, uh, my name is Ron, and uh, is it on? Talk into the mic. Okay. Um, this past summer, I was working on a house in uh, Semiamu uh, in the U.S., and uh, this lady that I was working for, her name was Laura DeBach, and uh, she's a merchant marine, and so she spends a lot of time on ships, and uh, anyway, she said that she had this uh, real large lump between her uh, neck and her shoulder, or her, you know, her shoulder, and uh, she said she went to the doctor, and he said he could operate, and it would take three to four months for recovery, and she said she didn't have that kind of time, and she didn't want to do it, but she was in a lot of pain right there with that, and I said, well, you know, if two or more come together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if it be his will, you know, he can heal that, it's, it's very possible, and uh, so that's where I left it. And then uh, about a month later, 
um, for Aunt Maya came back from Seattle and we saw her in Bellingham on the uh, waterfront. And uh, she says, Ron, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? And she says, uh, the lump, it's gone. And I said, asked her, I said, well, did you, um, did it go away just right away or did it go away over time? She says, it went away right away. And I said, well, do you, do you more pray about it? And it's almost like she changed the subject. <laughs> and then she invited uh, Florette and I to dinner and we went to dinner with them. And again, I asked her, I says, did you uh, pray about this? And she said, no. And, I, and when I had told her about when two or more come together, I said, well, Florette and I, we're going to pray for you. And I went home that night, and I prayed with Florette. And uh, there it is. And it happened. Wow. Praise God. Marvelous. All right. Well, we want to worship God and celebrate his goodness, his faithfulness. And uh, a new day is coming. And that's what these miracles testify to, right? And so whatever the circumstances of your life, we can gather together in community, build one another up, encourage one another, and testify to God's new heavens and new earth. His kingdom is coming. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for these stories. Thank you, God, for way in which uh, you have shown yourself, sometimes in very ordinary ways, God, most often, God, again, open our eyes to see you in, in all the ordinary parts of our day, but sometimes, God, you gift us with these testimonies that encourage us to press on in faith, to be encouraged in your love, and to be assured that your kingdom is coming. Your will is done. And so, Father, we pray that you'll help us in whatever circumstance we find ourselves today, some of us who are suffering from illness, some of us who uh, uh, face difficult situations, others of us, God, who uh, just don't know which way to turn. We pray, God, that that you will reveal yourself to us as you choose. And then, Father, from your love that endures forever, then just make the miracle of faith to enter into our hearts, transform us into the love of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not the compassions, they fail not. Oh, uh-huh.
So as you receive the blessing of our God in going into this week, accompanied by him, I invite you to respond with that refrain, Stu's going to lead you in it. His love endures forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face of love towards you and give you his peace. Amen.